Hello everyone and welcome back to the ITE Talks podcast, International Teachers Education Talks. I'm your host Melinda and today I'll be talking to Associate Professor Tunjar John. He's a university lecturer and coordinator at Istanbul University in Turkey. He has completed both his bachelor's and PhD degrees at Istanbul University, specializing in teaching English as a second or foreign language. Additionally, he has been a lecturer at Syracuse University in New York, teaching the Turkish language. Now he is involved in many different beneficial projects within the field of education. Today, I'll talk to this guest about interesting topics regarding the education system within Turkey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the ITU Talks podcast, International Teachers Education Talks. I'm your host, Melinda, and today I'll be talking to a very special person. Oh, no. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, of course. This is Tunjay Jan uh, from Istanbul University, Jarapasha English Language Teaching Department. Okay, amazing. Um, thank you so much for doing this and setting time apart. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Thank you. So, uh, first question, uh, I would like to get to know you a little bit. So, uh, could you tell me a little bit about your educational background? Yeah, sure. Uh, I was uh, born and raised in Bulgaria uh, and then moved to Istanbul. Uh, it's been like 35 years. And then I studied in Istanbul, uh, Turkey, uh, and then at Istanbul uh, University. Uh, English language teaching department. Then I was invited to stay with my school uh, as a as a lecturer, mm-hmm. and like t- more than ten years, uh, I worked as a junior lecturer, and afterwards uh, completed my master's degree, my PhD. In the meantime, I went to Syracuse University, getting a Fulbright uh, scholarship to teach Turkish, uh, and I, it was a very exp- um, a cool experience because we did uh, at the time two thousand and four, two thousand and five. Um, uh, teaching Turkish as a foreign language via video conferencing. So it was one of the th- things that changed my life, basically. I went to Syracuse University, uh, worked there for a year, and then came back, completed my PhD, and afterwards started working as a, as a uh, senior lecturer in my department, and then getting my PhD, my um, appointment as an associate professor, and then now this is what I'm doing for a living now. Okay, yeah. amazing. That's an interesting and inspiring story. Um, why did you start like why did you start within like to work within the field of education what was the reason behind your choice I think the reason behind my choice was uh, my, my background as a child uh, number one uh, we had to uh, move out from Bulgaria a lot of people will not remember this um, will not remember this um, um, assimilation policies and stuff stuff that happened in uh, 1985 in Bulgaria, but but then uh, growing up in there and then moving to Turkey as, a, as an immigrant, I think this is the one of the things that uh, makes you um, excel where you are going because education is the still one of the things that is uh, putting you through uh, the ladder and then uh, going uh, taking you up. Uh, so I think this was one of the things that uh, made me uh, work in this field. And since then, yeah, I was working in Uh, English language teaching department and I'm very happy to do that. Mm-hmm. And was there a specific reason for you to choose the English language? I think yes, because at the time I was feeling that uh, being a Turkish uh, citizen um, and then it was difficult to explain yourself uh, because of many reasons, mm-hmm. European stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, the beautiful thing about uh, this is 
Uh, I was born and raised in Bulgaria, which is partly Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, of course, I can understand the European mentality, but also I'm Turkish. Yeah. And I can understand the Turkish mentality. But, and then we need a bridge yeah. uh, to put all these things together. So I think I chose English because I wanted to make everyone understand each other, both mm -hmm. Turks in, uh, through English, the Europeans and Europeans mm -hmm. understand Turkish through English. So I think this is why. Yeah, that's it's so inspiring, yep. and I completely agree with that. I think I can relate to it as well as <laughs> a Turkish imagine. person living imagine. in the Netherlands. I can um, imagine. But how is it then to teach Turkish in uh, for like in New York? How was that? It was it was a cool experience because uh, it was uh, one of the first times when I really get to know uh, real technologies like video conferencing and stuff, and. Um, it was it was uh, not very difficult uh, different from teaching english to turkish people it's, it's almost the same thing because languages are languages mm -hmm. so the only thing is the means that you're teaching them so uh, here we are trying to teach english to turkish people uh, there we were just teaching turkish to americans so yeah. so it was not different at all mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the nice thing about this was the experience itself because you get to you're getting to see many things that you haven't in your own country so this i think this is developing and it's not very difficult and different from teaching turkish mm -hmm. uh, sorry english to turkish people it's the same thing mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting and then you started working here how is that after that experience yeah, I, I already uh, I, I had already started working here when I went to United States uh, it, it was not a huge change actually mm -hmm. because it was uh, the same place that I'm working but of course it had enriched me mm -hmm. to, to see abroad and to see uh, my country and my, my life uh, mm -hmm. from outside so I think this was inspiring like you're saying and I think this was eye-opening for me too to actually um, understand myself better when I'm here, when mm -hmm. I'm here in Turkey, in Istanbul. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think this was the, the thing that it uh, yeah. gave me. Yeah, and considering that, what do you think the role is of the English language in, in the Turkish society? Uh, actually, it is not that uh, po popular. Of course, a lot of businesses are they, they are just trying to um, uh, to speak more languages, more foreign languages, to expand their businesses. We understand that, but unfortunately this is not the reality of many, many people. Uh, perhaps Istanbul, yes, but in many other uh, rural areas, language, uh, teaching of foreign languages is not the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I think the role of English is of course immense, because we are aware as foreign language teachers that um, English is um, uh, an important aspect of uh, integrating into the worldwide uh, audience, but uh, here in Turkey, a lot of rural places, they are not even thinking of uh, integrating into this uh, holistic world. So uh, it's it's a it's not a experience that we are expecting them to do actually. Yeah, that's interesting. But that also um, that also comes back to the projects that you're doing. Um, you have a lot of wonderful projects. Could you tell me a little bit about the things that you've been doing with that? Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we, we've been doing a lot of a lot of things uh, in the field of foreign languages and this is because we really want uh, people to, to have access to uh, quality materials. So there are many things that uh, we, are, we are actually thinking of uh, before we started all those projects and uh, first of all I think it was uh, the access to uh, quality materials because uh, many people here in Turkey because they are poor because of other um, uh, problems they may not reach 
the real uh, materials that they need to reach to learn foreign languages. So this was number one. So we wanted the people to have quality materials and uh, where else they can start? Uh, we can only start here at the university level because the universities are still the places where the opportunities are there. Uh, so uh, we wanted to create a lot of materials. Number one, uh, most of the time what I'm doing is when I'm teaching a class, I turn it into, into a tangible product because this is the problem with the university education uh, being criticized these days. It is criticized that it is too theoretical. And then when you're developing people, when you're educating people, young language teachers, uh, they are not actually becoming language teachers as they have to be. Mm -hmm. uh, but what happens is, if you, if you really uh, start with projects, turn your teaching into an action research, so to say, then what happens is these students uh, are really getting into the job, very easily and my, my own research shows that when you're doing uh, stuff with your um, tangible products and everything in the end of the lesson uh, the, the, the teaching the teacher identity develops quicker uh, rather than waiting until they get to have some um, experience uh, in the in the real classroom so uh, number one I think this was it uh, another thing is uh, the things that let me just give you examples of stuff that we are doing here yeah. so number one uh, I'm teaching, let's say, um, uh, materials design. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing is with my students, we are sitting down to create materials, digital materials for people, uh, but for learners who need to learn foreign languages. But then uh, another point here is technical issues, because again, because we are doing all that stuff at the university level, uh, very few students can actually access to those materials. So what we do is we create apps like for example Epilingua uh, app, uh, which is accessible through the whole world. Mm -hmm. And then this helps us uh, with uh, access to digital uh, quality materials for, for learners, number one. Another thing that we do is create our own course books, mm -hmm. because uh, number one, course books are uh, expensive uh, to buy from global um, yeah. providers. And then uh, another thing is they are not only expensive, but also sometimes they are not aligning with the local culture. Mm -hmm. And so what we are aiming there to do is uh, we are creating localized materials. Mm -hmm. So we don't need uh, to, to, to buy very expensive global materials, but then you can provide. Uh, and then what we do is we create uh, our own materials, our own course books. And with our course books, uh, like Less is More or Integrated Skills in English, um, uh, skills books, uh, another thing that we do is we create the um, technology itself as, again and the all the technology and everything that is together coming together with all these materials is uh, created here in our university with another department like computer education yeah. uh, department so uh, we are working all through thing uh, all through these stuff because we want people, uh, regular people, to have access to good quality materials and also uh, to cherish the local culture as well. Because when you start learning a foreign language uh, from your own uh, background information, that's easier for you to grasp and it's easier for you to learn. So this is basically what we are doing these days uh, here in my country. Okay, that sounds amazing. And um, I would like to, like before our interview, you mentioned a little bit about your approach to teach the mm -hmm. English language mm -hmm. 
uh, in relation to grammar and mm -hmm. skills. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, sure. Uh, number one thing, uh, in my MA, I studied constructivism. And uh, studying constructivism gave me a perspective in how to teach foreign language languages, not in a traditional way, but have, uh, and of course, uh, the development of technologies also helped me out with this. Uh, it gave me another perspective, and I'll tell you uh, what it is. So, uh, number one thing is uh, what we are uh, what we are generally teaching while we are uh, teaching a foreign language is vocabulary and grammar. And in a uh, few instances, because we don't have enough time, uh, curriculum does not allow us, and this and that, we have less uh, uh, skills teaching. So what happens is we need we really need to start with vocabulary, which is cool. Uh, then extend it into grammar, that which is also fine, but should not neglect the uh, skills-based uh, uh, teaching as well. So we have to put everything into practice. Uh, we all know, and this is also in the CFR, uh, that declarative knowledge uh, should also be uh, encouraged uh, with um, uh, procedural knowledge. Mm -hmm. And procedural knowledge is part of the uh, skills work as well. So this is why we have to teach uh, both ways. Uh, so what we are doing is we are putting the language, uh, the system of language into uh, specific use through seeing, hearing, touching and tasting the language. Mm -hmm. So I, th I find it very interesting when people uh, are amazed with our materials when we tell them that you have to taste English and then they do it. But this is simply speaking. Mm -hmm. This is nothing else. Yeah. So you put it basically into that's, context. That's, that's good. Of uh, uh, first language acquisition, uh, which aligns with second language learning. Yeah. So yeah. these are not separate things because we are the same human being. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's really what a lot of other places and schools should promote. Um, exactly. It's really, it's really valuable. Um, I would like to ask you a little bit about how Turkey in general, uh, or Turkey in general, use native and non-native speakers mm. what's the perspective and perception of those people so what we have in this country is uh, of course native speakers mm -hmm. we have non-native speakers mm -hmm. which is the turkish uh, english teachers mm -hmm. but we also have another development because of the economical status of the country and of, and i think the globalization as well mm -hmm. uh, which contributes into the uh, triple n teachers as we uh, joke about it, which is non-native native speaker teachers. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so what we have is um, a lot of Farsi, a lot of uh, Arabic, a lot of Russian, I don't know, name it. Um, lots of different nationality people who are claiming to be native speakers and then they are teaching in our country. Of course, it is possible for them to do that because the native speaker, speaker teachers, which is single end teachers, mm -hmm. um, uh, they are very expensive. Yeah. So what happens is, of course, we have uh, right now we have these triple N teachers uh, uh, taking over the market rather than the single N teachers. So, um, uh, of course, which shows, which shows and proves that the native speakerism is still in favor in this country, and I think in many uh, places as well. But this is also changing because uh, the the function of native speaker teachers is the people who are able to speak in a foreign language and give you the experience of this. Another thing which is uh, right now um, changing this situation is the technology because right now people can start practicing foreign language with artificial intelligence and this is happy happening all around the world. Just check Futurepedia, uh, you will find a lot of, a lot of uh, English tutors uh, who, are, who are able to chat with you in a foreign language. So I think now <laughs> we will have to joke about this 
and and find another um, uh, quadruple N teachers, uh, right? So which is artificial intelligence teachers, and then uh, they are also in the market. So, but still in in private schools, for example, where people can afford this native speakerism is still in favor, and it helps out with the sales of the foreign language education. I would like to come back to something that you said about um, how kind of like the uh, technology and the AI is integrated mm. in English teaching. Do you think it's taking over? Do you think to what extent should we allow in our own classes technology and AI? How do you view that? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, uh, I'm teaching for, for quite some time now uh, technology integration into foreign language classes. And of course, uh, uh, my belief is that uh, it is not only taking over, it is becoming the norm. Because taking over, it has, it has happened in the last 20 years already. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, it is not taking over anyway. This is the mainstream um, uh, practice anyway. How, how do I assess it like that? How do I think that it is like this? Well, number one, uh, a lot of countries, uh, what they are doing is they are placing uh, not traditional boards in their classrooms anymore, but smart boards, which allows for technology to be mainstream part of the classroom. And not only uh, um, those technologies, but also in many schools, uh, uh, mobile learning is allowed, which means people, uh, students and teachers are able to use, start from Raspberry B to um, um, Android or uh, iOS, I don't know, any device that you are using, smartphones as well. Uh, the number of um, um, smartphone ownership, for example, in the world today is um, 96.7% people own those devices, which means this is a, not just integration anymore, but this is the mainstream stuff. And a lot of schools are allowing for, uh, for mobile learning methodologies to uh, be in the schools with their students, not only in the classroom, but outside the classroom as well. Uh, a lot of um, uh, practice uh, has been created. European Union pays on this. And not only that, and think think about virtual reality, think about augmented reality. A lot of a lot of apps, a lot of a lot of um, applications are there already for learning not only English, not only languages, but many things as well. So I think this is now uh, not anymore integration, but it's the mainstream practice. And but the problem is teachers, because um, the research in Turkey shows that the um, thirty forty percent roughly of teachers are are um, very experienced people with uh, 10 15 years perhaps uh, 20 years of experience in the in the business but they're lacking basic basic technology literacy mm -hmm. this is uh, why uh, we are still thinking that we are still integrating technology mm -hmm. if they behave like the teachers of today uh, who are contemporary people they will have to allow for more technology in their classrooms but since they haven't uh, they hadn't been trained like this. An example is myself. I graduated uh, from from university, as a, from Istanbul University, as an English teacher, um, uh, 2001. Mm -hmm. And during my training, I have n never seen anything that I'm using right now in my classroom. Okay. Only the overhead projector. Can you imagine? Not even the projector. The the projector which is now we are um, assessing it and evaluating as an old technology. So this is the thing, uh, I, and I'm like 20, 20, 
three years, uh, I have 23 years of experience in the classroom with my students. Um, and think about me, if I'm not using technologies of today, who am I? That's interesting. And how do you how do you think we should kind of like allow that more? I feel like how should we help those teachers who have so much experience and who are really valuable? How do we solve that issue? Okay, um, one of uh, many of the reports uh, state one single thing, which is here in this country. An example is. Uh, we have had this uh, FATIC project, which stands for like uh, creating opportunities for um, uh, for people, for, for students uh, in the in the uh, education and stuff like that. Uh, what they did uh, during those uh, during that project was, uh, and of course the studies. What they did was they put uh, smart smart boards to more than ninety percent of the schools, okay, in the classes. Plus, they put one hundred percent reliable uh, ground internet to all those schools mm -hmm. right yeah. the problem was the teachers mm -hmm. you have the technology you have the smart board you have internet you have everything that you can start using technologies but they were not prepared for this so number one thing and most of the reports are showing that if you are not uh, training the teachers first before you introduce new technologies they are not using them I know a lot of, uh, this is from experience, yeah, this is not a research, um, uh, I know a lot of, a lot of uh, private schools here in this country uh, who are buying very fancy stuff from global providers. Mm -hmm. What happens is the teachers are not using them. Yeah. And why not? Because the teachers do not know how to use them. They do not know what is the functionality of this fancy uh, system, whatever, whatever. So what happens is, of course, uh, unless we have reliable teacher training, it's impossible to introduce anything in the classroom, anything new. Plus, uh, the traditional teachers are using course books. The traditional teachers are using paper-based materials. Of course, course book, paper-based materials, these are old technology. They are also technology, by the way. The only problem is 4,000-year-old technology. We developed the same uh, functionality with the course book and paper-based materials uh, in the, to keep the information intact in, in one place and of course chewable. Uh, but what happens is today we have the internet, we have other devices uh, where we are doing the same thing. We are keeping information, storing information, we are pre uh, presenting information, but the problem is it is uh, timeless and also it is um, uh, countless. And what happens is that these uh, traditional teachers need to change their perspective from 4,000-year-old technology to the more modern technologies. So yeah. this is basically it. Yeah, and like teachers like you can help to promote that and make it happen within Turkey that a lot of more teachers become aware of that thing. Um, it's interesting and uh, enlightening as well uh, to see that there's things like this happening, good things like this happening. Um, what advice would you give someone who's starting, who wants to become a teacher, mm -hmm. an English teacher? Mm -hmm. uh, what advice would you give them? My advice is very easy. Sit down, learn new technologies and start using them and create something. What is this something? This could be anything. This could be anything. Starting from uh, good old Web 2.0 podcasting to uh, virtual reality machinima, machine cinema, where you are uh, helping out with uh, short movies, uh, people experience the language. To, I don't know, uh, artificial intelligence enhanced uh, practice 
and uh, whatever. So it doesn't matter at all. But mm -hmm. the point is, sit down and then learn the new technologies and then produce stuff. I'll give you one example that uh, uh, what I'm doing with my students at the university right now. We are developing, because it's too fashionable, the kids are YouTubers and we want to be there, right? To teach them foreign languages using this uh, channel. We created um, a channel uh, to teach English for grades from second to eight, all right? We have more than 400, roughly 500, not 500 specifically, but roughly 400 something uh, videos to teach um, numbers, colors, whatever, right? Introductions, this and that, whatever we are teaching in the uh, in this in those levels. Uh, but all these videos were were created by artificial intelligence apps. So this is the idea. I want my my students to learn how to make use of those new technologies like artificial intelligence to create and then put everything in one place in a YouTube channel where people can enjoy, students can uh, learn uh, and people can actually see. What is, what is um, good about this? Well, number one, people can have access to quality materials. But number two, my students who created those can be proud of themselves very early in their careers to uh, go ahead and, and, and then work in this field. And uh, this will also guarantee that they will follow lifelong uh, all these new technologies coming and they will embrace them and then they will continue to create materials uh, for their students. So this is uh, what my advice would be. That's very valuable. Mm -hmm. And lastly, can you maybe give uh, general advice to our listeners, to the people listening? I mean, they're mostly teachers, um, but anything? Okay, so uh, here is my, here's my take from uh, my business my job yeah. uh, and of course what I'm doing for life well uh, and of course I think this is also part of my uh, character and also perhaps my I don't, identity right? yeah. so this is this is this would be my advice uh, uh, right now the people uh, are too local either or or they're too uh, universal so we have to find this balance in between where we are who we are but also part of the uh, bigger um, uh, community, the, the whole world. So we should not, because here in Turkey, in Turkey, what we are doing is uh, generally, well, this is Turkey, this is blah, blah. Yeah. No, this is not it. I think Turkey is part of the world, yeah. and the world is part of Turkey. It's not, it's not uh, anything else. So we should not, so this, this would be my general advice. Yeah. We have to be uh, ourselves, our identity, everything else, but also we have to be um, universal people. So this is... Yeah, okay. Thank you so much. Thank that you. was very valuable. Do you have anything else you would like to say, mention? Well, Maybe say the website that if, if there's anything that is accepted. Well, there are a lot of things that we are doing. So my name, if they just yeah. go ahead and uh, find you, search somewhere, then oh. they will just go ahead and find many things about what we are doing. But we are generally uh, trying to um, help out not only university students here, not only uh, but but all teachers in the world. We are we are giving training to European teachers here. Uh, to Turkish teachers, anybody, even even Pakistan. Uh, right now, we have started projects with Kuwait, for example. So we, we are trying to be universal, like yeah. I said. So I don't need uh, anything else to say. I guess so. Lots of stuff uh, we we have already on our name. 
Amazing. Thank you Thank so you. much. I appreciate it a lot. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you in two weeks time again. Feel free to reach out or suggest any ideas if you have them.